Okay. Hello, my name is Tashawn Lovemore, and I'll be having a conversation with Armani for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York City Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identified people. It is May 22nd, and this, will be, and this is being recorded at Midtown Manhattan Library. Armani, we're so happy to have you here. The New York City Trans Oral History Project is a community archive of transgender resilience, resistance, resilience, and survival in New York City. Black Trans TV goal is to share the narratives of people who love, like, look like us. The interview will be, be a collaboration between Black Trans TV with the New York Public Library and highlight the brilliant oral history of Black folks of trans experience. Armani, can you start? Can you please start with your name and your part, pronouns? Well, first, thank you for having me here. I'm um, happy to have I'm you. I'm excited. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. Um, my name is Armani uh, BKA, which is better known as Armani Day. Um, and my pronouns are he, him. Okay. Um, let's start off like, with, did you grow up in New York? I did not. Okay, then tell us about that. Where did you grow up? Um, so I'm born and raised in Philadelphia, Southwest to be exact. Okay. Um, I've been coming to New York on and off. Uh, since 2011, I've been moving here. New York is very expensive, so <laughs> sometimes I'm here and I'm like, "Yeah, okay, gotta go. <laughs> gotta go to somewhere less cluttered, less expensive." So, yeah, but New York is—it really is the city of dreams if if you make it that way, or if you try to make it that way. To me, it is, and to a lot of people. So, I'm here again. Uh, Welcome. <laughs> thank you. Um, I have a really good relationship with my family. Um, so growing up, um, I grew up with my mom and my dad. I had a younger sister. Well, I have a younger sister, um, an older brother. I would have had an older sister, but she passed away um, as a baby. Um, so yeah, so my mom, my dad, my brother, and my sister. Um, and I was raised by my, my parents. They were very loving and open, very supportive of everything um, from age five, they just let me have my own little personality and be who or whatever it was that I wanted to be. Um, at age seven, um, my mom started to let me just pick out my own clothes and stuff like that. So um, I, I didn't ever really have restriction, punishment. Um, like there were consequences if you did, if I did things, but like I, I wasn't raised in a strict household. I wasn't raised in a very... Um, as we call it, hood household. <laughs> I'm from the hood, but I am not hood. <laughs> um, I, I had a very, very good uh, upbringing. Um, and it was, it, I still have loving parents. I still have a loving family. Everyone is very supportive of me with my art, with my transition, um, my relationships, me traveling and being a parent and just everything that I do. My family is, has, has always been supportive and still is to this day. My mom is my number one supporter. That's beautiful for us, especially for a black family to yeah. have supportive parents. Black and Caribbean at that. My dad oh. is from Jamaica, <laughs> so let's 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 put that out there. My my dad is is from Jamaica, and, and most people know you know the Jamaican culture for folks to be very closed minded, very uh, religious, um, and very homophobic, transphobic. Just if if you're not a 
masculine cis man or you are not a feminine cis woman and you are not heterosexual of those um identities adding to those identities you're you just can't be you can't be a part of the family you're you know you're disowned you're shunned out or whatever it is for the most part and that's like 95 percent. yeah so yeah so but my dad had like in my entire life he hasn't ever shown me that that's a part of him or that that's even a side of him he's always been the complete opposite like any of my friends that are a part of the lgbt community that have always come around he's been very supportive and embracing of them always asking you know when we're going to throw parties he played the music for us cook on the grill everything my mom too like my I'm mom is that. just oh yeah you <laughs> he, he's very quiet like i'm 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 really a mixture of my mom and my dad like I'm very quiet and to myself and very handy like my dad but then I'm also very loud and outgoing um and outspoken like my mom so I'm I'm a mixture of the two and I love them dearly so do you think that um one parent helped the other to be more comfortable with you know how you how you identify do you feel like there was one person who probably was struggling a little bit more one parent I should say one parent I think my dad struggled only because my dad is a older Jamaican guy and him being from another country coming here, you know, you have to learn or you want to, for him, he probably wanted to learn the culture of America. So, you know, coming from Jamaica, he was probably told, oh, you can't be like this. You can't do this. You know, a lot of restriction, a lot of rules and things. And then coming to America, it wasn't so much. And, and, and being around my mom and, my mom's side of the family, like everybody from my probably great grandparents and on, all I know is from my grandparents, but I want to say from my great grandparents that, you know, we're not, um, discriminative of people based on, you know, shape, size, color, race, it doesn't matter. Um, and so I, I feel like my dad being a part of that, being a part of that, the family and, and spending so many years with them and being my father, being my sister's father and helping to raise me, my sister and my, and my brother, um, he picked up on a lot of things that, you know, what? although I learned this in my country, they don't do that here. Or at least this yeah. family in particular that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with and be a part of. They don't act like that. So, you know, I want to learn some of these traits. At least in my mind, that's what I think. Um, so I feel like my dad probably unlearned a lot of things that he may have learned in Jamaica, but he unlearned them here. So I feel like my mom and my mom's side of the family taught him a lot of those things. They helped him to unlearn a lot of the toxicity that exists in Jamaica and in the rest of the world also, but specifically in Jamaica for, mm mm-hmm, yeah. Um, I'm going to change gears because you also mentioned, you know, your family is supportive of, you know, the relationships that you have. So I want to ask you, what does queer mean to you? Ooh. (laughs) Queer... Queer is such a broad word. It queer, yes. Queer is is one of those words where it's just like it has many different contexts to it. Like I, I hear people use the word queer as in in nature, queer in sexuality, queer in gender, queer in their outfit. Like yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, um. But but often, um, when someone uses the word for me, um, specifically, I. I guess in my mind, I, I assume, and that's something that I rarely do, but if someone is using the word, the term queer to me or to describe something about me, it's my nature. Okay. It could be like my mannerisms and how I walk or how I dress or my sexuality. Um, so 
I, I want to say for me that queer is it is broad, but for me it 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 has to do with um, it could be your attire, your your sexuality specifically, um, and j- just the nature of who you are, how you carry yourself. Um, yeah. So you touched on sexuality. How do you do you feel comfortable talking about how you self mm-hmm. how do you identify sexually? Um, no label or pansexual because I I am open to dating um all genders. I don't really discriminate based on someone's gender. As long as you are attracted to me, I'm attracted to you yeah. and you're going to be respectful of me and I'm definitely going to be respectful of you. We can go from there. So, um I tell people all the time that as far as my sexuality goes, it's uh no label or pansexual to give people a, a word, a label for them to be like, "Oh, I know what that means." <laughs> so, yeah. Um what does visibility look like to you? Oh, or like growing up, did you see anything that kind of like, you know, resembled you or made you feel like as a kid, n- not really. I think as a kid, the only visibility that I had was, and I don't even know what age I was at the time, but I want to say the only visibility that I had was when I saw Boys Don't Cry. Okay. So I wasn't so young, but I was still young at the time. Um, and I may have seen what what I was to believe a, a butch or a tomboy um, when I was young, maybe a few, but really I didn't have visibility that, that I was aware of, of, of trans men until maybe age 13. That yeah. was, that was the age when I first started going to the clubs. I wasn't supposed to be, uh, <laughs> uh, my mom already knows, so I'm not going to trouble. So, so there's actually a, a, what I call a staple club, like in the community in Philly, it's called the BC. We call it the BC, which is the acronym for uh, the breakfast club. Oh, okay. Um, the BC was. It, like I said, it was the staple of the community. Some people went to like the compound and they went to 13th Street, which is our neighborhood um, um, in Philly. But the the BC, the Breakfast Club, that was the, the club that in in lesser words, regardless of your age, you could go to the club. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say that they served everybody liquor because I, I don't know that to be true. But I know that I was. 13 years old and I had to, I think we had to be 18 or 16 to get in the club and I wasn't I but you. we were using like our school IDs I was in high school I was in ninth grade yeah. um but I guess they were like oh you have a, a high school ID cool we can let you in but they didn't look for a state ID so yeah so at 13 was, was my first time going into a club and seeing people vote for the first time seeing okay. you know like visible trans people um, regardless of where they are under the the trans umbrella, because um, a lot of people don't believe in the trans umbrella, which mm. is why I did quotation marks. Um, but regardless of where they fall under the word trans, that that was the first time that I saw the visibility of that. There were people um, who, like I said, they were voguing and people walking realness, and I'm just like, what is this? Like I was, I was, it was a new world, and I was amazed. I was like, what? So, so at age 13 is. Um, when I started to see a lot of visibility of, of everything, of even gender non-conforming people before the term, before exactly, the before the language began to build the way that it is now. Like, so that was like the first time when I really started to see visibility and when, when I really could put my thoughts of 
from age five up until 13. Like I knew that I was, I wasn't a, a, a woman. I wasn't a female. I knew that I was just like my dad, just like my brothers and my uncles and all the men around me. I knew that that's who and what I was. I was exactly like them, but I didn't have that language. Um, I didn't have that visibility. So, so, you know, that visibility that I began to, um, find out and, and see at age 13. And, and from there, it was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm just like a lot of these people. Like, you know, some people look like me. Then that's when I actually started to see trans men. Um, and, and I befriended a few of them actually. And, and they were teaching me things. Um, I, I went my own route as far as my transition. But again, that was when I began to see the visibility and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is who I am. Like, this yeah. is me. Like some of these people are just like me and they're, out in the streets they're in the club and they're being themselves they're living in what we call their truth and i was like okay this is this is what before i knew the word what visibility meant that's what visibility was to me and so it was very important for me to see that because now fast forward to you know present day i am living in my truth and i'm being a visible trans person and it's important for people to see that not all trans people are on hormones. I wasn't on hormones for a long time. Um, you know, I, I didn't have surgery for a long time and I was still walking in my truth until I could get into the medical part of my transition, which no matter what you do within your transition, it's all the choice. But as far as talking about visibility, like I wanted people to see that it's okay for you to be a trans guy and have long hair. It's okay for you to be a trans guy and be feminine or not have surgery or not be on T or whatever it is. It's okay for you to identify as whatever it is that you identify as and however it is that you carry yourself. It's okay to be that visible person that even though you may not see people who look like you, you can still be that visible person because you never know who you're you're helping to come out of their shell. Absolutely. So 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 visibility for me is is very important and it's it's very diverse. Visibility looks like it looks like everybody. It looks like everybody. Everybody doesn't look like me, but it looks like everybody because you don't look like me, however we may identify the same on some level. Yeah. So so visibility is very important to me and it's important for me to be visible also. So do you feel like uh BC is where you found community. That absolutely, <laughs> I, I found community, extended family, whatever you want like to chosen, call it, like chosen family as well. Yes, okay. yes. I, I um, my first uh, what we call gay father. What I found, we met there at the BC. Um, Explain that to people. What is a gay father? My so my gay father um was actually not even a gay man. He was just okay. somebody who was a part of the community. Um, he loved to go to the balls. He he wow. was. He was straight at one point. Let okay. him tell it. Um, later on, he began to identify um, as bisexual, but he he was identifying as straight when he first started going oh. to the clubs because he was a he was a cisgender man who who dated trans women. Okay. Um, and he was very respectful of them, um, to my knowledge. Um, he didn't see himself as a gay man for dating a trans woman because she's a woman. You exactly. know, you know, yeah, you know, exactly. they're women. Yes. Um, but it's important that I say that because because people feel like, oh, well, she's a trans woman. She's not. She's a woman. They're women. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it needs to be to be clear. Um, um, yeah. So he um, he he was my first 
uh, parent in the community. He he took me on as at the time his daughter, and I'm like, I don't feel like your daughter, but okay, because <laughs> um, again, I wasn't living in my truth yet. Um, so I was at that time, I was presenting as a as a butch. I don't want to necessarily say a butch lesbian because I didn't really use the term lesbian so much because I knew again what I was since five, age five. Um, so I was just saying that I was a butch. I wouldn't put too much emphasis on the word, you know, like I was just, I was just butchy in nature. Like just everything about me was very butchy, very tomboyish. Um, and yeah, so he, he was my, my first uh, parent in the community and then he actually passed away. Um, and then, uh, my other, my other, you can, you what him passing away yeah. that that was tough because it's like you you create this this family you you have this bond with someone um and you spend years together years knowing someone they you know they he took me to different clubs and this was the first time I got like I said I got to experience like uh 13th street which is again the, the neighborhood in Philly um we just say 13th street we yeah, don't yeah. say neighborhood if you're from Philly you know that if someone says 13th street oh you mean the neighborhood in Philly that that's just it some people say neighborhood because they have like the rainbow flags yeah, um on the street sign but we say 13th street because it's 13th street and then you get the rest like 12th and wherever. So, but, um, yeah. So like he, he took me there. He took me to the BC. Um, well I met him at the BC, but I continued going with him after, um, and a few of my other friends, um, he took me to what was called the compound, which was uh, like, um, it was like the underground, as we say, gay club, LGBT, but gay yeah. club, because it's mostly gay men. Um, and there were a lot of trans women there too, actually. But I think it started out as only gay men. I was young. I was like one of the younger people there. It was like everybody that, that was the young one. I was, because <laughs> you know, I, I was, I was very mature, but I was also doing a lot of immature things too. So it, it makes sense. Like if, if you knew me, it made sense. It's like you're you're being very immature. You're supposed to be home in the bed. Like, yeah, but, but you're out here. But you're out here. But the thing about it was I wasn't always like drinking and doing okay. things that I wasn't supposed to. The only thing that was re- that I was really doing that I wasn't supposed to was being in those atmospheres at that at time. The at the age, right. Okay. Um but yeah, so yeah, so he, you know, like I said, he he took me around. He introduced me to a lot of people, and he just he just really took me under his wing. And then after, you know, around the time that he passed away, I was already getting familiar with or uh, building this bond with someone else who uh, is G. Um, G is G was very is very known in the community, or it used to be. Um, G was my other uh, gay father, um, as as we call. It. But G was a identifying as a trans trans guy slash trans person at the time okay. um and then technically g detransition um and is now my mom okay but no matter what whenever we talk i always check in like hey like you know like what's your identity what's your pronouns and because sometimes people change you know what i mean yeah, things change like exactly. exactly so so yeah so g and and um in blue that was my the, the first uh, gay father. Those those were my my parents in the community, and after that, I became a father in the community. Oh, now you're, now you're <laughs> I, I did because I was a part of the ballroom scene. I never made it mainstream, 
Um, but I, I was a house father for what two okay. years. Yeah, I was a, I was a house father for two years. Um, and for people who don't know what um the ballroom scene is, the ballroom scene is what is ball ballroom is what like a competition. So to to really get people to understand what it is, it's like like you have fraternities, sororities, and they go to these events and they compete in different categories. That's that's, that's what what it is. <laughs> I'm not an expert in in talking about what ballroom is. Um, but. For, for me to understand and to be able to express it and explain it to other people who aren't familiar with it, that that's how I'll put it. That it's like, um, it's like fraternities and sororities, regardless of your your gender and your sexuality, because there are actually like some cisgender straight people who walk in the ballroom, like you know they they vogue, they they walk face or realness or whatever category it is. Um, and but yeah, so it's it's a competition, and 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 it can be very very fun, very competitive, but very fun. And and these houses, they're not actual houses. Sometimes there are parents um, of the houses who have their own actual homes, and they allow their kids or their families from these these houses to live with them. But often it's just like uh, like I said, fraternities, sororities, like they're they're uh, they're groups of people. Um, there, there's usually a house mother, house father, and then the kids, maybe like a grandfather or so on. Um, and so I was a house father. I actually went to a, the house meeting, um, to just like see what the house was about. And this, this was a house that was just starting out. Um, to, I wanted to see what the house was about. Cause I knew some of the people that were going, that were going to be a part of it. Um, and I was just going to go check it out and see like, Oh, maybe I could be a son or an uncle or something. And just from everybody talking to me and, and learning about who I was, I think this was around the time when I started doing photography. So people were starting to know who I was. They were like, Oh, we think you should be the house father. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> the house father, they like, yeah, like, you know, the way you carry yourself, you seem very mature, you know, you know, people you're respected in the community. I wasn't like really big in the community, but people knew who I was. Cause I've always been my own, my own person. <laughs> people know me. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that they do, but su- surprisingly they do. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I was, I was a house father for two years and, and I was very respected. I was actually known by a few legends. And when they knew me by name and face, I was like, wait, you know me? Like that, <laughs> that's how I was. I was shocked to know that people knew me because I was very, very mellow, very chill. I didn't play the drama. Like I was literally like a father to the kids or to everyone in the house. Like, listen, when we go to this ball, y'all need to have your outfits for whatever category you walk. You need to be there on time. Like make sure outside of ballroom, like you're going to school or you're working, you're taking care of your kids or whatever it is. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're taking care of yourself. You're being a mature, responsible adult. Like that's just the type of person that I was. And I still am to this day. Um, I'm no longer in the ballroom, but I'm still that same person. Yeah. Like I still talk to some of my kids, although we don't have the the house anymore. I'm I'm still like father to them. Actually, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Still father to a few of them. Not not everyone, but my daughters. Yes, three or four of my daughters, and then one of my sons, and that's it. Yeah, everybody well, else, so. <laughs> <laughs> plus, plus my actual kids. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, yeah. So Child. Mm-hmm. My son, um, Jalen, who we call Buddha. Um, on my side of the family, we call him Buddha. His mom's side, they call him Jay. Um, I like uh, that nickname, Buddha. Why, Buddha. Where you get that nickname from? I love when people ask me that. Um, yeah. his so his nickname came from um, he's a little chubby kid. He's chubby like me. Um, but also because uh, for a while I had this 
I don't want to say infatuation. That's too extreme. But I had this connection to the Buddhist symbol. Um, and to, to the Buddha, if, if anybody's ever seen him, like he's, he's a big guy, but it's just something about him that like really resonated to me. And it really made me feel good. Like, damn, like, look, look at this. I don't want to use these words, but I'm going to use, look at this fat guy who people idolize. They, they look up to, they, they resonate to him. They, um, they believe in him and, and what his symbol means. Um, so I, I wasn't trying to take on like buddhism or anything but it's just that symbol and so like seeing him and and seeing how i connected to that symbol and then seeing how i connected to my son like me and his mom we were friends first um and then you know you're when you're when you're being friends with someone and they have kids you're around them and their kids um um and so me and her spending time together and being friends like i started to be around him and after a while, he's like, are you my dad? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, you, let's talk to your mom. And, you know, over over the years, I was like, okay, you know what? It's just meant for me to be his dad. Like, his biological father wasn't around. Um, and I was, like, the main person that I knew that no matter what, I wasn't ever going to leave his life. So I pulled his mom to the side and was like, listen, you know, like, He's asking, am I his dad? And I would really like to be his father. Like, I want a kid, so I would really like to be his father. So she's like, okay. And, you know, we, we the discussion was longer than that, but that was how I approached the, um, approached the situation. Um, and from from then, it was just like, okay, like, you know, I'm your dad. And, and, and my kid, he knows that, that I, am, I am a trans man. He knows that. Um, I've taken him to the Philly Trans Wellness Conference. He's been around other trans people. He, he knows what it is. Like, you, you can only program kids but so much. You can only teach them but so much at a time. Yeah. So as he gets older, I'm teaching him a bit of the language so that he knows. Like, it's not okay to go up to people and say, are you a boy or a girl? Or what are you? Like, I, you know what I mean? So I'm slowly teaching him these things. Um, like I said, I've taken him to the Trans Wellness Conference in Philly. Um, he was in the kids camp, and he saw young trans kids young gender non-conforming kids um just kids who were just expressing who and what they were through their hair or their clothes um as well as the adults who were non-binary gender non-conforming trans um or what have you and so like just putting him in that environment it's like oh my gosh like look at all of these people and without judgment because him living in the hood living in the projects you don't see that every day and 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 my thing is i don't want him to grow up the stereotypical closed-minded homophobic or even transphobic black man who feels like he just has to be full of toxicity uh you know and being hyper masculine i i want to take him away from all of that as much as i possibly can because i'm not like that and i don't want him to be like me i want him to be better than me so i i want to make sure that I'm letting him experience all of these different things a bit at a time, not to overwhelm him, but to educate him and to open up his heart and his mind to know that there are so many identities out there. There are so many ways for you to be a good person, for you to just be yourself. So I I teach him these things. I introduce him to different people. Like I said, I've talked to him about me being trans and he knows that I'm not his biological father. He knows who his biological father is, but he knows that I am his father. So he's 10 going on 11. Okay. Yeah. And I've been in his life since he was three going on four. Okay. Yes. 
So I've been around for some time. Yeah, no, I've been around for some time. You plan to be around forever. Hey, absolutely. Um, absolutely. So since we're talking about children, do you plan on having, you, have you thought about what it might be to create a bigger family for yourself? Yes. Um, you know, as, I don't want to just say as a trans person, but specifically talking about myself as a trans person, it's not that easy for me to just be like, oh, hey, you know, I'm going to start a family tomorrow. Um, because I, <laughs> and again, like I said, I don't want to say because I'm a trans person because everybody's narrative is different, you know what I mean? But, but specifically talking about me, it's, it's, it's not that easy. Um, I have ideas, I'm doing research and I'm talking to people. Um, I have things in mind that I want to do. I know that I want my family to be a little bit bigger, whether it's just one more kid or two, like maybe I'll adopt one and then biologically have another i don't necessarily know if i want to carry <laughs> that's a, that's a and, and it has nothing to do with society or yeah. what people was it has nothing to do with that it's just me and my body and and the the life that i live like me traveling all the time and like just i know that it, it's going to cause me to have to sit still for a while and a lot of planning and it's like i don't know <laughs> i don't know but you're not ready to slow down right now Nah, not right not now, right now. I mean, I so I don't, I don't want to make it seem like I'm just all over the place, or I'm just trying to travel and live my life, and I don't want to be a parent because I'm still a parent yeah. while I'm traveling, while I'm building my brand and building my name and trying to build a foundation for me and my kid and or kids to come, um, and my my family in general. However, it's just I don't want to get to a certain age where I'm like, okay, I wish I would have done that or I wish I would have done that. So I I am, I'm not at a standstill, but I am still manifesting things while I'm living my life, while I'm traveling, while I'm creating all of these connections. So I'm doing everything at once, yeah. but it just, from, from the outside looking in, it's like, you move around too much, you're doing this, but you don't know that when you're when what you don't see is that I'm doing my research. I'm I'm saving up money. I'm building up foundation to buy a house at some point to get my kid full time because he's with his mom full time. But I want to have him full time or at least like during the summers or during the school year and then he can go with her with the summer or whatever we decide because I want him to be able to travel with me and, and experience different things in the world too because he doesn't get to travel as much. So there's a lot of things that I'm I'm just working on from the ground up right now. But like I said, people on the outside, they don't see that. And that's fine because that's my life. That's my business. You know what I mean? So, but I, but overall, yes, I do want to build my family. I would love to have a biological child and I would even love to adopt a child and give a child who I don't want to say is is less fortunate, but who hasn't had the privilege of having a family yet. I would love to, to make them a part of my family. I would love to be their father also. So maybe one kid, maybe two, but I do plan on having a biological kid um, if possible, and um, maybe adopting a child also. Okay, that sounds dope. So we talked about traveling. This next question is going to fall right into that. What is your occupation, calling, work, or life? Because you, you know, I know you do a few things. So you're going to talk about <laughs> a few things that you do because I do a lot. I I do a lot. Um, well, first, just let let me just say that I feel that there's nothing that any person you know can't do. Um, regardless of where you come from, if you have any, you know, uh, if you're handicapped in any type of way, there's nothing that you can't do. You know, when, when people bring children into this world, we, 
we tell them to have an imagination that they can be anything that they want. They can do anything that, that we want. I mean, that they want, but then we forget that ourselves. Yeah. And, and for, for a while, I forgot that myself that, you know, although I don't want to work two and three jobs to, to survive or to support my arts that I do, I still have to figure out some type of way to, to survive, to live, to maintain while I'm still thriving uh, with other things in, in my life. And I don't want to take away from my own imagination because that, in a way, makes me feel like I'm lying to my child or to other people telling them that, oh, hey, you know, you can have an imagination, but you need to limit it. Some. No, we're not going to do that. You know, have an imagination and whatever you feel as if you want to do or that you can do or that you want to be, do that or be that. So I tell my kid that I tell people around me, you can be 50 years old, 60, you can be 30, 12, whatever it is, your, whatever your age is. I tell everybody to never forget that they have an imagination and that they can be anything that they want to be, that they can do anything that they want to do. And it's never too late. And as I'm telling people that I'm telling myself that. Yeah. So it's a reminder um, for them and for yourself. Absolutely. Because again, like I said, people bring kids into this world and they tell them, oh, hey, you can have an imagination, be this, do that, whatever it is. But then as you get older, you forget that yourself. And they're like, oh, I'm 30. It's too late to do this. Or I'm 50. It's, too, it's, it's, never, ne- too it's never too late. It's never too late. So, you know, in telling people that it's never too late, you know, right now, I, my occupation as of right now, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I'm doing, I am an outreach um, specialist and um, I am also doing stock um, at a high end retail store. However... If you ask me what my occupation is, I'm an author um, slash artist. Um, I have four published books that were published by Hope After 20 Publications. And then also as, as an artist, um, I paint. I do photography. Um, I have apparel with some of my artwork, which this is one. Um, my t-shirt, you see my name at the bottom, it says uh, Armani Day. But this is um, a trans woman who is voguing at a ball. Um, and it's, and, and, it, and it's important the re, and the reason why I wore this shirt today is because, you know, with all of the recent killings, what was it? Three trans women yeah. in the span of what, two or three weeks. Like yeah. that's, I was in tears. Like, are you serious? And so it's important for me to, um, represent trans women. It's, it's important for me to, to take a stand, to speak up for them, to let them know that they are important. They are beautiful. They are women. They are human and they deserve to be loved. They deserve to be appreciated and they deserve to live, to live happily, to be, to be free of any harm or, or any, you know, discrimination or anything like that. Um, and so, yeah, so, so getting back to, you know, me, uh, being an artist and also I've, um, acted as a background actor in a few things. Um, also, um, so I just, I try to do a little bit of everything. Um, I'm, I'm getting into film right now. Um, music is my first love. A lot of people don't know that, but music is my first love. Um, I have, I, I wish I could sing. I sang as a kid, like there was no Johnny Gill or Mariah Carey or like Genuine or Temptation song that I did not know as a kid. Like, <laughs> like. There was there was no song that I and Whitney Houston too like they're they're in a new edition too there there were none of their songs that I did not know that I did not sing um growing up that that's all I knew and I would sing 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 but what I didn't know what no one told me and also what I didn't research is that you know it within my transition starting hormones I should have continued singing to keep training my voice 
because okay, the hormones change my voice. Yeah. So okay. now I can't sing. <laughs> so now I can't sing. I mean, I stopped years before because I'm a very, I'm a very shy person. Like I, I can talk once I start talking yeah, and I get comfortable. Right <laughs> but I, I'm still shy and nervous, so I stopped singing because I'm like, I'm never going to sing on the stage like. Even now in my art shows, people people know this, but they also don't know this. Um, when I have art shows, I'm very nervous. It's my art. I do it a million times, but I'm still nervous every time. Cause I, I, I don't know what that's about. I'm just a shy, nervous person. Um, but, yeah, so I, that's, that's just who I am and how I am. But I still, I don't know. But, but music is my first love. Um, how did you get started? Um, how did you start your, your photography? Yeah. I was always by the earth. Um, because I started photography so long ago that sometimes yeah. I forget. Yeah, um, well, not so long ago, but to me, twenty ten. Okay, twenty ten so was when I made it official. But I had been like, you know, when you had a party and somebody's, oh hey, can you take a picture? I've always been there okay. for some reason. A thousand people in the room, and you picked me of all the people. And they're like, hey, can you can you, can you take this picture? And I'm like, okay. Gotcha. But I'm like, hey, you want me to take the picture? So that it started out as that. And I'm like, oh, I love when people come to me and ask me. I don't like it because it's like you calling me out. But I also like it because it's like, I'm going to get you a good picture. And so, like, for years, I was always that person at events, at parties, wherever I was. And people would, like I said, ask me to take the picture. And I love this. I'm like, okay. And then I I see things differently. Like, I see the beauty in people. Like, a lot of people have low self-esteem. They don't feel beautiful. They don't feel attractive or whatever it is. I, I see the opposite in people. Um, and, and I always wanted to capture it and show them what I see. Because I'm often I'm telling people, oh, you're, you know, you're so beautiful. Or you should be a model. Or you should do. And they're like, what? What do you? You know, they don't see what I see. Like, I have a completely different vision from people. So, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to start photographing people. And I'm going to show them what it is that I'm talking about. So, you know, I, I saved up some money. Yeah, like I, I want to I wanna highlight, like maybe it's your moles or maybe it's the shape of your, your, your chin or your nose or something. It's something about you that I just, like overall, I feel like we're all beautiful. Of course, you know, I like, agree. you know, what your type is might not be my type, yeah. but regardless of what, we're all it's beautiful. beautiful. And, and I try to express that throughout my work. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I saved up my money um, and then... 2009, 2010, I got my first camera. Uh, me and the, my partner that I was with at the time, uh, we got my camera, and it was a little pocket digital camera, a little Samsung. It was, I think it's called like the TL205 or something like that. I remember it because it's my first camera. Like it really got me my start. Um, and I typed up like a little contract for when I do photo shoots and everything. Um, and I started just photographing people. First, I started going around like taking pictures of like there was a creek behind my parents' house. Um, and I got a few people to come down there and like pose like topless or whatever. And they're like, oh my gosh, like, where are you going to put these pictures? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> just let me take the picture because I see something like, you know, I see yeah. the beauty, like just, and, and taking those pictures, people were like, oh my gosh, like you did this with this little camera. Yes. Like I, I didn't have what they, what they call a professional camera. I mean, a camera is a camera, but they, there are some differences to every camera, but it, it, it never mattered what camera I had. I just used it to capture the beauty in people and to, to show them what I saw. Yeah. And it, it, it grew from there. And then I started doing like house parties. And I used to leave house parties with like three four $400 dollars. 
just taking pictures at a house party and I used to have a little print, little digital uh, printer that I would take with me and print out pictures right there on the spot. Like, and I think that's when I really like started to build my audience because at those house parties, the house parties were crowded and these were always like in somebody's little hood somewhere in Philly. <laughs> and I would take the pictures and everybody was like, oh, there's the camera guy, there's the camera. Everybody knew who I was and people want their photos. At, yep. Yep, and so after that, then I started doing, like, special projects, like, based on, like, your gender or how you're dressed or whatever it is. Um, Now that's mostly what I focus on. Like, now I'm mostly focusing on, like, people within the LGBT community and if we're doing, like, special projects um, to highlight people um, or weddings. Like, those are the main things that I do. I'll do headshots, like, portraits here and there, but the main things that I'm doing right now are, like, special projects. Um which stem from my first book, which was Exposed Truth, that celebrates um, the bodies of TGNC um, people, um, and including in that TGNC, which, which is the, the acronyms that I use, um, transgender nonconforming, but included in that are like non-binary, two-spirited, um, and alike folks. Um, but I didn't want to make a long acronym. Um, um, so my book is in my store. Um, if you have Facebook or Instagram, you can uh, find me at Armani Day. And the link is always on my page um, or my photography page, Armani Day Photography. Um, the spelling of my name is A-R-M-A-N-I-D-A-E. Um, and that's just my name. Or you can add photography to that. Again, that's A-R-M-A-N-I-D-A-E. Um, and also my online store, which is kind of long. I'm going to change it soon. I'm buying my domain. <laughs> um, but it's squareup.com. Uh, what is that? Forward slash store forward slash Armani Day. So that's squareup, S-Q-U-A-R-E-U-P.com forward slash store, S-T-O-R-E forward slash Armani Day, A-R-M-A-N-I-D-A-E. And it has my paintings, my photography, uh, my books. I have t-shirts, pins, posters. I have stickers, but they're not in my store yet because I usually just give my stickers out. Um, But yeah, so all of that stuff can be found um, in my store, in my online store. Or if you see me, hey, I want to buy some stuff then we can do cash at venmo whatever and i will ship it to you or if i have it on me at that moment yeah yes and this is one of my shirts again that i'm wearing (laughs) (laughs) this is a vogue t-shirt because she's voguing (laughs) let me ask you about your uh your books Mm -hmm. what do you write about what kind of books do you have um, so again, my first book is Exposed Truth. It celebrates the bodies of TGNC people. Um, it is a photography book and it was, uh, it's like my favorite project um, because often people misconstrue um, things about trans people or TGNC people that, you know, they, they, they shun us. They say that we're not beautiful. We're not normal. Um, uh, that well, we're not a whole man or a whole woman or a whole anything because we don't have surgery or because we're not on hormones. And so my my book was to take away from all of that. It's to, to show people the beauty in us, regardless of if we're on hormones, regardless of if we have surgery, um, you know what I mean? Regardless of if we have long or short hair, if you're fat or you're skinny, for lack of better words, 
um fat is beautiful skin is beautiful just so i know um <laughs> um but yeah it, it doesn't matter like your race your your shape it doesn't matter um it, it, it's about celebrating the bodies that we're beautiful regardless of those things and so what i did was i traveled around photographing tgnc people um nude and half nude but it's mostly nudity it's tasteful and it's educational because a lot of people hear oh nude is like pornography it's not pornography it is not pornography um actually some colleges and universities of some professors from some schools have used my book for gender studies um i'm not good at research i'm still learning about research but if i'm not mistaken i am the first or one of the few black trans male authors to have a photography book such as that so it 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 is thank you i i didn't know either (laughs) like i said i'm still doing my research but when you when you research black trans authors when you read and then when you like keep going so on to extensive research like black trans man authors black trans men authors who have photography books and it's like the list gets shorter and shorter and shorter I don't see any other author that has the type of book that is a black trans man that has the same type of book that I have. So again, I am either the first or one of the few. When I say few, I literally mean three or less. Okay. Black trans men who are authors who have photography, who have published photography books. If I'm the first, I have created history (laughs) and I would love to, to have that noted and celebrate that. But even if I am one of the, the first three, that's still history because there it's not more than five. It's not more than 20, you know, so it, it I believe I am the first. But again, I have to do extensive research. Um, but yeah, so my that, that's my first book, Exposed Truth. Again, it celebrates the bodies um, of TGNC people, nude and half nude. And it's to, to celebrate the beauty of our body, to celebrate our existence. Um, in the book, it, it teaches you about um, our identities, about assumptions, because because people, you know, have these wrongful assumptions. Um, and so that that's the photography book. Um, and then my newest books, um, it's a chat book series, which are short books that feature poems, text messages, conversations, um, some of my experiences that I've had, um, or maybe a dream or so that I had. Um, and it's called The Wild Series. It's, called, it's titled Wild, but I call it The Wild Series because people think that I live a wild life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I don't, I maybe, I don't know. I, it depends on what people mean by wild. I don't know. Um, yeah, you have to get the books to know. Also, like you, you be the judge. This is that's the only time when I let people judge me. It's like you read my book and then you tell me if you think I live a wild life, and I'm not going to change the way I live. But <laughs> you can judge for yourself if you think I live a wild life or not. And um, so the title "Wild" came from um. Again, people think that I live a wild life, and also the titles of the title of each book is um, the name of a wildflower. So the first book is titled um, "Wild Hyacinth." Hyacinth is a wildflower. Um, the second book is "Wild Bachelor's Button." Yes, Bachelor's Button is actually the name of a that's wildflower. A, that's <laughs> a cool name, though. It it is, and I was like, "Is this? Re- it's really a no, wildflower." Um, and then the the third one, which completes the series, is a, a three part series. Um, well, they're all different, but it is three pieces to the series. Um, the the third one is it's titled "Wild." Uh, touch me not and yes touch me not is the name of the book um and each name of those uh books are not only they have double meaning because not only um are those the names of 
the wildflowers, but they also have a um, meaning to my life. So Hyacinth was the first cisgender woman to um, to embrace me in my identity as a trans guy um, after so many years, because um, these past couple of years I've struggled with dating cisgender women. It's, it's either I'm not, um, <clears throat> excuse me, manly enough or masculine enough to them, um, or just something about my transness. And I'm doing the quote unquote for people who cannot <laughs> see what I'm doing. Um, it's something about my transness that just, it just, I guess it doesn't sit well with them. Or I, I, I don't know if they would have to explain it to you. And I didn't care to really let them elaborate on it either because it's like, either you're going to accept me or you're not. Um, and uh, Bachelor's Button, what is a, it's about um, experiences and stuff from when I was living like the Bachelor lifestyle. <laughs> uh, I had my own place in Harrisburg um, after my relationship fell through. Um, and I was just living a very like, yeah, Bachelor's <laughs> life. <laughs> I, was, I, I was really having fun. Um, and then touch me not was um, it, it resonates to a time where I was a touch me not um, as far as like sexually and physically I didn't want people to touch me like this now I rather please other people so I was I was what they call touch me not gotcha. yeah and and all of those books again can be found um, in my store you know my online store that's really dope. Um... I'm gonna change gears a little bit. Okay. You say you live. I know. <clears throat> I know that you live a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, which area honors language the best for you? In the cities that you live, what you feel the most comfortable? Like as far as like, yeah, navigating. Hmm. Wow, that's Pronouns a really and, like, that's a really good question. And that I've lived in or that I've visited. Let's or say, should I answer both? You can answer, you can answer <laughs> okay. both because you live a few places and I know you travel a lot. Okay, so shorter answer. I'll do the first one. The most comfortable place that I've lived in, I want to say, is New York. Okay. Um, yeah, I want to. I want to say is New York. Um, because I am an out trans person. Like I'm not someone who parades my identity, but I am an out trans person again i'm a visible trans person whether someone knows it or not you know that's on them but i don't hide my identity um and so like going to places and and having to use like public restrooms or having jobs where they knew that i was trans i've been respected um i can go to events and it's usually like unisex restrooms or it's a it's a uh a POC event, which is people of color event, or there's a, um, a queer event, um, LGBT. It's like so many of us as far as the community goes here in New York City. So I feel like New York City has been the best and the easiest um, for me as far as places that I've lived. Um, also, because it was easier to get um, trans-related healthcare here. Okay. Um, so yeah, so, so I want to say that like, New York is... New York is on it for the most part. So, so New York, as far as all the places that I live, yes, um, New York is is the, is the top. Because, um, like I said, I was born and raised in Philly. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, in Pennsylvania, just they really drag their butts trying to get 
proper health care and things like that for for TGNC people. So they're definitely not even on the list. <laughs> I had to leave to come here just to get the medical attention that I needed as a trans identified person. So yeah, so as far as places that I live, New York is probably has been the best. Um, places that I visited, I would say Toronto. Um, yeah, Toronto is the best. Toronto, Ontario, Toronto. Canada. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I plan on moving there. Um, it's it's just so so clean. So it's so different. It's so beautiful. It's very diverse there. They have art all over the place. Um, it's always an, an art event, like every day. It's somewhere in maybe different parts of Canada, but there's art stuff going on all the time, just like here in New York. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, Toronto. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I briefly lived there, um, illegally. I'm gonna say that <laughs> I was like, I was a, a, like an uh, illegal immigrant for a month. Um, I packed my bag and I went to Toronto and I like slept in a park. I slept on the side of a store. I went to a shelter, like. I use uh, couch surf and I use Airbnb. Like it was, it was one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had, and I would do it again. Right. It made me stronger. It made me stronger mentally and physically. Yeah, I talk about it in in one of my books, mm-hmm. um, briefly in one, but one of my books to come i talk more about it yeah Yeah, and the the book about my life it'll talk about the whole experience like that whole month that i was there and everything that i did like the first time being in a shelter ever the first time being in an all-male shelter and i was probably the only trans guy there or knowingly the only so and the book about my life that's going to come out years later (laughs) (laughs) yeah it'll it'll talk about that Uh, who would you say influences you Hmm. So there's three ways to answer this. Okay. <laughs> um who influences me? Okay, so there's there's three ways to answer this. Overall, I influence myself. Um, because I'm constantly evolving, um, constantly trying new things traveling to new places, meeting different people, doing different things. Um, so overall, um, yeah, I influence myself. However, watching my son grow and and watching him learn like math and learn how to walk in his own shoes and just own who and what he is as far as whatever his identities um, are, that influences me because it's like me watching myself as a kid grow up now but in the form that i wish i was at that age so my son and he he influences and he influences me like watching him struggle learning i was that kid i struggled learning i was always the last one to finish a test like for a while i cheated in school because i I just i couldn't learn certain things so so my son really influences me because there's like a whole world out there that i know he's going to take by storm the older that he gets, the the more he learns things, the, the stronger he gets in him as, as a person. Um, and then the world influences me. Um, just everybody that I meet, people that I haven't met yet that I hope to meet, people that I, I don't ever wish to meet. <laughs> like, <clears throat> excuse me, the world in general really influences me. Like, there's so much love out there, but there's also so much hatred and in it. It just really influences me to not be 
one of those people filled with hatred and want to reach out to those people and hug them and educate them and ask them why do you why do you hate us like specifically people who hate black people people who hate trans people who hate tg and c people in general why do you hate us you don't know all of us you know what i mean so so the world in general influences me because there's so much to be done in this world to change it to better it for us all to live happily so those those are those are the three ways that i am influenced in in life touched on something um what do you feel is the biggest threat to black folks black folks are transparent Oh God. Okay, so black folks or like black trans people, which? Well, what do you feel as a yeah black trans people? What do I feel? Is the biggest threat to black trans folks? Is the biggest threat to black trans people? Oh, I'm going to get hated for this answer, and I really don't care. When I say the system, I mean the system as a whole, like the government, politics, all of that. I mean that in general, whether it's getting health care, whether it's getting housing, medical attention, whatever, the, the system, right? However, I feel like because the system is so hard on us, it's causing us to be not only toxic to ourselves, but to others and to to each other. And and so when I said that, you know, I'm going to get hated for this response, it's because people are not going to fully understand what I'm saying when when I said that. Because we are we're hurting each other. We are constantly bringing each other down. There are so many black trans men that are telling other black trans men, oh, you have to get on T. You have to don't tell me what I have to do, because, again, your narrative is not the same as mine. And, and there is no have to. There is no need to. All of the things that you decide to do within your transition are a choice. And I want people to really hear that. Anything that you do within your transition, within your life, even if you are not a trans person, but specifically talking about trans people, anything that you do within your transition is a choice. If you choose to change your name, if you choose to get on hormones, if you choose to have surgery, these are things that you choose to do so that you can, I guess, be happy with who you are, so that you can own who you are, what you are, so that you can walk up and down the street proud and strong in who you are and prideful. So when I say that we are constantly hurting each other, we are constantly bringing each other down, It's it, it could possibly be, and I know that I believe that it has something to do with how the system treats us, how it gives us a harder way to go to get the things that we need to survive, to thrive in life, but also because we don't deal with the things that, and I say we because I was one of these people for a while. I was, I, I wasn't ever very toxic, but I was, I was mean. I was mean spirited, and some people don't know that about me. But I, I was mean spirited for a while because I was suicidal. I was dealing with a lot of things that, because I didn't deal with them like going to therapy, because I didn't express them to other people, and I kept everything 
hidden into myself, it caused me to be a mean spirited person. And I was taking my anger out on other people, on other black trans people and me doing that to them and them feeling possibly feeling like, oh, all black trans guys are just like you. So I'm never going to date them. You see what I'm saying? Like it, it, yeah. it could it's cause a a, exactly. So that's what I mean by where we are hurting ourselves. We are the threat to ourselves, but it, it definitely has something to do with the system. But when I say that we are the threat to ourselves as black trans people, it's because a lot of us, if not all of us or a majority of us have internal issues that we're not dealing with and we need to deal with them. I went to therapy. I had a therapist and it wasn't just to get my letter to get surgery. I really wanted to go and it really helped me. I'm not saying everyone has to go to therapy, to a therapist. You can go to a psychiatrist. You can create things. You can swim. You can exercise. You can sleep. You can change your, your eating patterns or whatever. Find something that is therapeutic for you that can help you. And I, I encourage everybody to get a journal or a diary or write out what it is that you're going through, what it is that you're dealing with, and, and either give it to someone or burn it up, but at least get it out. Do not keep that stuff hidden. Don't keep it don't bury built it. up inside yeah, of you, right? Because it can it can cause you to be a very negative person and it can cause you to be negative to yourself and then also put that out into the world. And we don't need that. We don't I need agree. that. So to turn it, what is your favorite thing about being black? <laughs> um, my favorite thing about being black. Ooh, my favorite thing about being black. Let's see. Um, my color changes throughout the year, <laughs> throughout the seasons, my color changes. Um, my hair is very different. Um, different color hair looks really good on me. Um, I've had turquoise, pink, purple, blue. Like I've had so many different color types of, uh, hair colors, um, different hairstyles. I've had short, long, I have long hair now. Um, the way that that our bodies look in 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 various outfits is just so beautiful. Like our skin is just so beautiful. Like you throw some 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 uh, shea butter or some coconut oil on your skin and you good to go. Listen. What? Listen, I got eczema and it still look good. <laughs> and especially in the summertime, like, have you ever seen someone so chocolate and just like, oh my gosh, like, and and, and it's not just about like your actual color of being black, but just like the roots of so many powerful people that come from generations before us, like, you know, like, like Martin Luther King and, and Malcolm X and Rosa Parks, uh, Obama. I mean, how are we going to forget Obama? Michelle too. Like, um, you know, even people before them, like Thurgood Marshall, I did a project on Thurgood Marshall. Um, you know, him being one of the, what was he? The first, the first black man to be in the Supreme court justice or office or something like that. I can't remember specifically what it was, but like, there's just, so many people generations before us who've done so many things and it's just so much stuff for us to look up to um and to believe that again going back to you know that imagination there's nothing that we can't do there's 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 nowhere that <clears throat> excuse me that we can't go can. exactly so 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 being black and being strong when you live in a world full of people who aren't black um it's like everywhere you go, like specifically going into certain job interviews and seeing that I was the only black guy is like, oh, I'm not getting this job. And it's so bad that I internalize that, you know what I mean? But that's because everywhere you go, everywhere you look before, I want to say before 
maybe 30 years ago. I'll be 30 in August. So before 30 years ago, name one, and this is just what I knew. I know that there's one or, or maybe one to five, but before 30 years ago, name one black superhero. You see how quiet it is, yeah. right? You see? That's what I'm saying. So imagine me being a little black boy thinking like, oh, I could be a superhero. Who did I have to look up to? White Superman? Spider-Man. White Captain America? Yeah. White Spider-Man? You know, white, 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 white. And, and that's no offense to white people because I'm not one of those type of people. But I'm just saying, like, I love being black and I love it. Love how how diverse we are. I love how, how colorful we are. Not colorful as skin, but just how colorful we are in general. Like, with our hair, with our clothing, with our skin also. But just everything that we do. Like, I just love that there is so much out there about us. And no matter what society tried to do to us, we're still here. We're still fighting. We're still thriving. And there's still a lot of people just being great at whatever it is that they are and who they are. Um, so I love, I love that, that no matter what they try to do to us, they, as in people who are not black, (laughs) what, no matter what they try to do to us, we're, we're still here. We're still, we're still thriving. When do you feel the most alive and joyful? What are you doing and who are you with? Mm. If you're with anybody, you can be by yourself. (sighs) Three answers for that too. (laughs) And I'm not going to put them in order. I'm just going to just say them. So when am I the most joyful was the question? Yeah. When when do you feel the most alive or joyful? What are you doing and who are you with if you're with anybody? When I am with my family, which includes my son. When I'm around my family, like family reunions, being around my mom, being around my son, my siblings, my aunts, my uncles, all of my cousins. <laughs> Um, that, that's always, oh my gosh, that just, it makes me feel so good that I can be this, this, this young black trans guy in this family who loves me and accepts me and respects me and that I don't have to correct every five minutes. I don't have to curse them out. I don't have to stay away from them because they refuse to respect me. Um, the other time is when I am having an art event. And I see so many people come out to support me, even if it's just five people, like I wish that it was more, but just those five people taking out the time of their day or their night to come and support me and my artistry. I I love that. So whenever I have events and people come out to support me, that, that means so much to me because it makes me know that the work that I'm doing is not going unnoticed. It makes me know that I'm not just doing this just just for GP, just for me to just be doing it and no one's ever going to see it, respect it, understand it, and share it with other people. And and the, the third is when I'm traveling by myself and I'm not, I'm fearless. Like I'm, I'm not, I don't fear that somebody's going to hurt me. I don't fear that somebody's going to find out that I'm trans. I don't, I just don't fear things. I'm just, I'm traveling, I'm, I'm living life, I'm exploring and I live every day for the most part, especially when I'm traveling. Like, you know what, this is the time of my life. And if I go out today, at least I die happy. And I tell people that all the time, like, no matter what happens to me, especially if I'm traveling, know that I die happy, regardless of what happens to me. I like that. So I like that a lot. If money, if time, money, or energy would not affect it, what would you go after if you knew it would succeed? Wow. Okay, ask that again. <laughs> if time, money, or energy would not affect what would you go after if you knew it would succeed? You could pick one of the things that you already do. 
Well, that that's a given. Like what I'm doing now, I would definitely do that at my own pace. Um, oof. So I'm probably going to have like a completely <laughs> different answer than everybody's. They were like, what? That's not even a question. Um, so what I would go after, and, and this is like really tough, but what I would go after is I will go back into time and find out when the first spark of negativity started in the history of, of humans. And I would do away with it so that from then until present day, there could no it, there couldn't ever be a thing such as negativity. Like no discrimination, no judgment, no in, like no no sadness, no people dying, no people crying. Anything that, that has to do with negativity, it would just be done away with. And the world would just be better to me. Like I have a very yeah, I'm say, weird I'm imagination. Philosophy. I'm philosophy. So I'm like, I'm thinking in my mind as you say it. Like, like if it's, it's, it's possible. Not even that. It's, are those things like not everything? Some things you mentioned, but are those all negative? In in a way, like they're negative. Light, like light and darkness, balance. I get it. You get what I'm saying. And I, and I'm a night person. I I love the the like I come alive at nighttime. I love the things that, like things about darkness. Like I I, I wear black all the time. Like I like to sit in a room, a room when it's when it's dark when it's quiet. So not that darkness is negativity, but things that that fall under the category of negativity. I would just like I said go back into time to when it first even sparked. Like it was going you can you see a spark of something that's like, wait, up oh, was that negative? Ah, get get it away with you know what I mean, do away with it so that we don't have that for the rest of existence. <laughs> like that. Yeah, like I said, my answer is probably way <laughs> it is, it is. That that's just how I think though. Um a few more questions. Okay. You know, bring us to a close. Um what does legacy mean to you? And how and I feel like we kind of answered it, but how are you laying bricks down today to build it? So somewhat I did, um, yeah. but to 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 touch on it, like I make sure that although I am shy, although that I tend to be by myself and that I'm quiet, I make sure that I bring a presence to wherever I am. I make sure that I wear T-shirts with my artwork that stand out and make people notice me, like. That is a part of building my legacy because almost anywhere I go, I have something of me on or in my hand or whatever. Like right now, I have it's two true. of my books and it's a true. pen in my book bag because I want people to know, like, oh, what's your name? Oh, you're oh, you're Armani. People know me by name, and I don't even know them. Like I've been at events. Like the first time I met Sir, Sir came to me, yeah. and I was already like a fan of you and him and and and, and you know Black Trans TV, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he know who I am, like what yeah. so so when things like that happen and you see so you so that's how how i want my legacy to be like that i again that i was fearless that although i was shy and i was nervous and again i like to stay to myself but i'm also a people person and i'm outgoing my legacy is that you know no matter what i touch lives i i show people the beauty in them i help them to see what was already there that my work speaks for itself, regardless of if it's just a painting, a t-shirt, or a, you know what I mean, a picture, whatever it was, that my work speaks for itself. It'll and be here, exactly, it'll be here when I'm gone. So, and and it's also to to show my son, to show people who look up to me that no matter your age, no matter you know your um your ability, that you can do anything, and to to just be fearless, like. 
you know, don't let anyone or anything stop you from from living out your dreams. If you want to be a trumpet player, do that. If you want to be a superhero, do that. If you want to be an artist, do that. It's a tough job. <laughs> it is tough being an artist, but my legacy will will. I just wanted to be that, that I was, a, I was a very loving person that I struggled to get to where I am. I'm still struggling, but I'm doing my best to be happy in my struggle, to get out of this struggle and to show people that while I have struggled and still am struggling, I'm still living a happy life. I'm still traveling. I'm still teaching people things. I'm still touching lives and creating art that is always going to help create some type of change, even if it only changes one to five people, it still helped to create some type of change. So my legacy will be that, that I I created history and, and that I helped to create change and bring positivity and show people the beauty in the world. That's beautiful. I really like that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, advice to your younger self, your younger you. What advice I would have given yeah. to my younger self? Everything I just said. <laughs> right, so that, that, something that you're grateful for. I mean, I can still answer okay. it that there, there's nothing that I can't do to be fearless, to never give up, because that was a thing of mine. Like I said, sometimes in, in school, I gave up. I was like, you know, what? I can't do this. Let me just cheat off the next person next to me. What's your answer? OK, like yeah. <laughs> I gave up a lot. And and now I'm just like, you know, what? I can't give up. Things frustrate me and I got to take a moment. Like if I'm at my computer, I'm like back. this and I'm like, you know, what? OK, it's bothering me. Let, me. let me back up. Let me breathe. Let me go for a walk or eat or take a nap or whatever. And then I'll regroup. Like I, I teach myself that now I teach myself, which I wish I would have taught my younger self. Um, I give myself 24 to 48 hours, really 24 hours. I brought it down from 72 to 48, <laughs> to 48. And now I'm bringing it down from 48 to 24 hours to, to never be angry longer than 24 to 48 hours. I like that. Whatever it is that's bothering it could be, you know, someone passed away. It could be that I, I got denied for a grant or that I didn't get a job that I went on. Whatever it was, that anger can only sit for 24 to 48 hours before it's like, okay, you know what? I can't do this with life again. I don't want to get to that point anymore. So now I have 24. I'm bringing it down 24. <laughs> I'm bringing it down 24. Now I have 24 hours to be angry, to be upset, to cry, be mad, whatever it is. And then that when that twenty four hours is over and it's a new day, okay, I'm happy. I done regrouped. I'm a completely different person now. I'm happy. Let's do this. That's it. Like you have to be positive minded. You have to be, uh, be ambitious and everything. Like all of that has to come back. So it'll go away. Excuse me for those twenty four hours. And then after that, it's like okay, you know what? We gotta be happy again. We gotta push through we got to push forward we got to get this done we got to do what we came to do that's how i am now because before i would let stuff sit for months at a time and again it allowed me to be it, it caused me not allowed it caused me to be suicidal it caused me to be very depressed and i don't i don't ever want to go back to that so again things can't sit longer than 24 hours with me whatever it is that's bothering me frustrating me whatever 24 hours i let it bother me and then that's it that's it. I don't know how I shut it off, but I I shut it off, and that's it. Like that after twenty four, I, I, I that's it because otherwise I'll sit and just let it sit. And so I would tell my younger self to, you know, let something that's bothering you sit for twenty four hours. After that, you go on to being, you know, push forward, being ambitious, being happy, smiling. You push through and you be successful at whatever it is that you were trying to do the day before. Yeah. It's like just, acknowledging that emotion. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's not you dismissing it, so you're acknowledging that emotion. Mm-hmm. You get past it. Yep, and because that's the thing, like, especially a, a, a lot of young black boys, it's like a lot of them are told to, oh, you can't cry or you can't show emotion or whatever. So me knowing in my mind that, oh, hey, I'm a young black boy. I can't cry. I can't be soft. I can't. All those things that I internalized, although I didn't learn it from my family. Let's yeah. just put that out there. I did not learn it from my family. It was like the rest of society showing me those things. So I would tell my younger self who who was dealing with those things that, listen, you can show emotion. You can cry because you have to get those things out in order to get over them. You have to deal Absolutely. with these things that are internally bothering you in order to be better tomorrow. So and to address it to heal from it. Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's close with you know how Black Trans TV is. Um, five <laughs> things you love about yourself. Ooh, five things. Okay, let me think. <laughs> okay, so I think the the number one thing is that I am very loving. I am like probably the most loving person that I know <laughs> because I know people who they won't. They won't forgive people for things that they've done. Well, I forgive people. I might not be your friend later, <laughs> but I forgive you. I forgive you for both of us, for me and for you, because it's not going to sit and bother me. For I'm going to forgive you. We all mess up at some point. Even if it's just that one time in your life, we all mess up at something at some point or hurt somebody, whether we know it or not. So I'm a very loving person. I love that about me. Um, I'm very ambitious. It's hard to be ambitious, but I am a very ambitious <laughs> person. Um, hmm. I love my laugh. So many people love my laugh that it made me love it. Yeah, I yeah, hated yeah. it at first because I'm like, what kind of laugh? Yeah, is it's, that? Laugh the it's, like, it's the two. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> go. Yeah, I do. I do get complimented on you my nipples. It's, it's annoying. I love it, but it's annoying. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. I'm very loving. Um, I'm very ambitious. I love my laugh. Um. I love that there is nobody like me. I have yet to meet anybody like me. And I, I no. wanted to stay that way. <laughs> I, I wanted to stay that way. I have not met anybody like Armani, better known as Armani there. I have not met anybody like me. There's things about me that are like other people, gotcha. but I have not met anybody like me. Um, and one more. One more. Ooh, it's a tough one. Five things that I love about myself. I'm cute. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It, it took a long time, but I'm cute. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you, Armani. Yeah. For having this discussion with us here. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. I I am so like excited to to be a part of this. Is this is history? This is. is this is history. It really is. So I I'm excited. Like I'm like shaking in a way you can't see, but I'm, well, I'm shaking. Thing, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. What's one thing you want to tell Brie? Because this is hip hop. That you can be anything that you want to be, that I love you, that I'm always here to have your back, that I'm always going to be proud of you regardless of what you tell me. There is nothing that you cannot tell me. I'm always going to be your dad regardless of science, regardless of blood, regardless of anything. I'm always going to be your dad. I'm always going to have your back. Just always be honest with me. Push yourself to be the best version of you. There's no one like you. And yeah, you can be anything that you want to be. You can do anything that you want to do. And always know that I'm your father, but I'm also your friend, too. I mean, sometimes, you know, you can't tell your friends everything, but tell me anything. <laughs> and I love you. I love you. I love you with, with everything in me. Everything that I do is for you.
Thank you. Bro. <laughs> Thank you. Oh.